All righty, everyone. Welcome to episode 25 of Scooter and the Big Man. And this is our biggest episode yet. The New York Mets have acquired Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. We break down other trade speculation going around our New York Mets. We tell a funny story with Boomer and Geo. PJ gets to talk about the Cleveland Browns, and we give you a draft of the best Italian things. Without further ado, let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. New York Mets have acquired Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. And oh, baby, it is on. What a fucking time to be a Mets fan. They said Steve Cohen hasn't done anything. The fans were getting impatient. The stupid fans were getting impatient. How is this for you guys? How's this for that Facebook crowd who says, oh, Steve Cohen only bought this team to be a Twitter head and and a figurehead? Fuck you. The Mets just put their dicks on the table and was like, how about this for you, MLB? Let's I mean, fucking go. I mean, PJ, to be fair, they didn't sign a big free agent. They traded for somebody. So Steve has yet to, to really get that massive pitch through free agency. That being said, this is a franchise-altering move. Like this, acquiring a talent like Francisco Lindor, I mean, when you look at Major League Baseball, Francisco Lindor is a top-five position player in the entire league. The entire league, you have the best pitcher in the planet in your rotation, and you now have a top five superstar position player in the prime of his career at the premier position in all of Major League Baseball. Like, let's let's fucking go, let's he, go. He's honestly like maybe the best. He, like you say, top five. He's maybe the best shortstop in the entire fucking league. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I think he is. I, I I think he is too. I'm just like quickly trying to think of anyone ahead. It's Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor is a superstar. This is the superstar move that you needed to make. This is what we thought would happen when Cohen came in. Took a little longer than we thought, but who gives a fuck? We got Francisco Lindor. I don't even know where we want to start with this. Let's just look at the trade itself. Yes. So the Mets acquire Francisco Lindor, who this is the last year of his contract that is worth noting, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also acquire uh, Carlos Carrasco, who has three years left on his deal for a pretty reasonable amount of money so what he has left is basically three years 38 million and i would sign up for three years 38 million of carlos carrasco any day of the week if he was a free agent and you saw that the mets like mets signed carlos carrasco for three years 38 you'd be ecstatic so this is a home run yep uh what the mets give up the mets give up a med rosario andre jimenez josh wolf and a center field prospect by the last name green uh Isaiah isaiah green uh both those were 2019 draft picks um Obviously, the big loss in all of this is definitely Jimenez. But if you lock up Francisco Lindor long term, there's no place for Jimenez to even really be playing. So you knew if you were going to be trading for a top prospect, especially, I mean, if you you knew if you were going to be trading for a superstar infielder, that Jimenez was going to be featured in that deal. If it was Arenado, if it was Lindor, you knew Jimenez was the piece. Mm-hmm. So that being said, though, the best Jimenez could ever have been is maybe Francisco Lindor. So you literally just sped up your process and you got him in the prime of his career now. Yeah, this was, like, we love we love Jimenez. Um, we we're big, big fans of his this year. We've, we've talked very high, we've talked kind of highly of, of Alman Rosario here and there. Both players that we like, no ill will towards them. They gave up fucking nothing in this trade. Let's be honest here. 
this was the steal. Absolute, absolute highway robbery. If you're a Cleveland Indians fan, like you should be, you should be furious at your front office. I get that he wanted out and his value might have dipped a little bit because they were having those problems and they want to cut salary. Teams know that. They know that uh, he they want to get him out there before spring training. But oh my God, they gave up nothing. And I think that's a big part of why they did this trade because we hadn't heard anything on the Francisco Lindor front, not even with the Mets, but like just in general for a long time. And I feel like they either put a feeler out there or the Indians called them like, hey, we're, we're really trying to get uh, Lindor trade. Um, what he's like, and they threw out like a feeler, and like the first thing they said, like I can I can see uh, Porter and Sandy and and Cohen being like, oh, let's just throw them, let's see if they they'll take uh, Jimenez, Rosario, Wolf, and Green, just as just as a, a whatever, we'll see what they do, and they just said yes immediately. And and talk about this front office, like this did not get leaked at all. Nobody around Major League Baseball knew this was happening. I remember I was standing in my bedroom and I got a text message in our scooter in the Big Man group chat. And you guys were like, it was a Jeff Passan tweet being like, hey, like uh, Mets are like deep in deep talks with the Indians over this. And it was like, oh, that's pretty exciting. Like, let's see how long this takes. And I think it was within like six minutes. It was like the deal is finalized. Another 10 minutes goes by. The official Mets and Indians Twitter's accounts are tweeting out like the graphics of the players. It was like, this got done in a hurry. The Indians were releasing a five minute long, like, thank you, Francisco video. Like this didn't just happen overnight. Like this was materializing over a couple of days. Like both teams had their graphics and videos ready to go. And uh, both teams kept it quiet. And it wasn't, it was, it's completely different than what the old front office would have been. Yeah, seriously. Hats off to everyone in the Mets front office for not saying a peep to be, to, to keep anything locked, especially like trade of this magnitude is incredible that no one said anything. So hats off to them. And uh, hats off to the Indians in that point for not letting that get through either. Just, it reminded me so much of when like a few years ago when the Knicks traded Christoph Porzingis where it just happened so quickly that you got you got the like you just said you got the one room that said they're in deep talks it was the same thing like the 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 Knicks are in deep talks with the the Mavericks and the Mets are in deep talks with the Indians and like five minutes later it just got officialized like no warning whatsoever that's exactly what I thought of but I'm like this is actually making me smile this time this was this is a a franchise altering move this it's really that's really is yeah, we talked about this last week or a couple episodes ago, like where these smaller market teams are not able to lock up their superstar talent. They just can't afford these mega deals. So they're shipping them away and trying to acquire prospects and to kind of stay afloat. This is pretty similar with almost like the Blake Snell thing that took place. That being said, um, Blake Snell has time on his contract. So they got a better return the Rays did than what the Indians got from the Mets because Francisco only has one year left. The Obviously, the intention is to lock up him long-term, similar to what the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts. If you want to give them a long contract, it's probably going to be really high Mets fans. So if we're locking them up, it's going to be north of $280 million. It's probably going to be over eight years. Like So get ready for that first real colossal mega deal from the New York Mets. That being said, if you aren't too familiar with Francisco Lindor and you don't know the type of player that we are acquiring, I'm going to give you some stats on him right now. He has three seasons over 30 home runs. He has, over his six-year career, his batting average is 285. Over his six-year career, his on-base percentage is over 340. He has multiple years of over 20 stolen bases, and he has two gold gloves. You are getting a five-tool superstar at the premier position in all of Major League Baseball. 
not to even we didn't that's what he does on the field this guy is a lightning rod he is pure energy he is all smiles if you remember mid-2000s jose reyes energy with that just pure excitement for the game this is very similar to what jose reyes's energy was you could plug Lindor at the top of the lineup you could put him in the three hole you could put him anywhere and he is going to shine he was going to make everyone in that infield better and honestly I'm just excited for even just like fucking Jacob deGrom to have a legit a legit shortstop behind him like this, this is going to be a lot of fun and what did the what did the front office prioritize like what was one of the things that they prioritized uh at the beginning of this offseason they wanted to get better up the middle they did that with James McCann they did that with Francisco Lindor, two insane gloves up the middle. We'll see what McNeil does back at his position at second base, but he's a natural second base, and that's upgrading that position. They're trying to do it in center field. Like this, they, they're saying exactly, they're doing exactly what they said they wanted to do, and that was sure up defense up the middle. So as much as we want to, uh, as much as we want to focus on his hitting, his defense is what's absolutely massive to this team. There's a, a graphic on MLB Network. That was, I forget what the actual like stat was. It was one of those advanced analytics stats that I still don't fully understand. It was defensive runs saved. That's what it was. Okay. And they showed it was between uh, Lindor and Rosario. Rosario was like negative, like 40 something, 30 something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but somewhere around there. Lindor was like, was literally positive 30 or 40 something. And he was like fifth in the league as Rosario was like 35th in the league. It's just such a drastic change in that position defensively that's going to absolutely be a godsend for the Mets and their defense all right so we'd love to drag Andy Martino on this on this podcast this was not part of the show I, I'm on my phone as we do this I think we do this all the time just see if we get any new stuff while we're talking this there's an article from uh, November 6th and Andy Martino tweets it it's his article from SNY and he says Lindor would probably force the Mets to part ways with Andre Jimenez or Ahmed Rosario. The question is if they would have to include Dom Smith or Pete Alonso. This is mostly likely. So he's just wrong. He's just an idiot. Just, just wrong. To be, I don't want to defend Andy Martino because I never want to. Um, however, I don't think thinking that they would need to give up another big piece is the is the worst mindset. I didn't think that they would get Lindor for this cheap. I understand he's in the last year of his contract, but not not. I didn't think they would have to give up uh, a McNeil, a Alonzo, a Smith. I thought they would have to give up a higher a higher prospect, like an Allen or a Batty in that trade. Yeah, like, no, I wasn't I, I, I wasn't I expecting. But Wolf and Green, I think they were like nine and ten in the Mets farm system. So you think of that, you're like, oh, you're giving up two top ten prospects for a guy. That's that's big. That's a big uh, get. But the Mets farm system isn't that great. So a nine ten in our farm system is like maybe the 15th and like 16th best prospect like in a good farm system. Not to say yeah. these guys can't be good, but it's just how it's valued. I mean, that being said, I would have given up Rosario, Jimenez, Josh Wolf, and Green, all for Lindor alone. That being said, they also acquired Carlos Carrasco in this deal, which is absolutely ridiculous. Cookie. So Carlos Carrasco comes over to the Mets. He's obviously a little bit older. He is going to be 34 by opening day. Uh, but if you don't know a lot about Carrasco, you should, because he is one of the most fascinating men in all Major League Baseball. Obviously, he had a, a cancer scare a couple of years ago, really inspirational story that he was able to get healthy and then return to baseball and then return to baseball at a high level is even more amazing. Um, so 
giving you a little career summary on Carrasco. He has 11 years in the league. They were all with Cleveland. Started 195 games. He went 88 and 73. I know we don't really care too much about win-loss, especially with DeGrom being our guy. Mm -hmm. Kind of throw that out the window. Always nice to see, though, I guess, when you have more wins and losses. Uh, he, his career ERA is 3.77. Uh, he was the 2019 Comeback Player of the Year. He was also the 2019 Roberto Clemente Award winner. So you're getting a hell of a pitcher and a hell of a person in Carlos Carrasco for three years, $38 million. And he's going to fit in at that three and four spot in this rotation. And that is a huge, 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 huge addition to this rotation. I'm like, I'm looking at stats right now too. And since 2014, 2014 was like the year he kind of came out and he kind of has biggest year. I'd say actually 2015 was when he was a cemented guy in the rotation. He's had a below four, a below three, seven year rate in every single year, except for that 2019 year coming off of, you know, the cancer scare. And all, I give, I give him kind of a pass on that year. Um, and then even last very, year, very generous of you to do that. I'm very though. generous. I'm in a generous right. mood. We all know that. The year he had cancer, he had bad stats. You're very generous. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. So, last year, even the anomaly year, 12 starts, 291 ERA. Yeah. Like, and it's an abbreviated year, 291 ERA, 1-2 whip. He finished fourth in the fucking Cy Young Award in 2017. Like, this guy is a – he was a frontline pitcher for a good portion of his career. And he's on the, he's on the older side, but this is so huge for the Mets rotation, who was – we were needing to get a guy anyway. and. Carlos Cross just kind of fell in your lap at this point. So let me ask you this, based on what's available, free agents start starting pitching. Where would you rank Carrasco out of like Tanaka, Bauer, um, just like the, the list that's still available, or Rizzi? Like, where would you put Carrasco out of those guys? He's probably the like second or third guy. He would probably be like Bauer's still number one. You know, we have our whatever for Bauer at this point, but he's still probably the number one guy. And then it depends on if you want that Tanaka for his multitude of, of big game experience. And then I would say Carrasco either fits right behind him or right above him. Yeah. So I, you, you essentially just picked up the second or third best pitcher on the market. I think Tanaka is probably a click above Carrasco still, but I, I do think he would be like, I would want him way more than like a, or Rizzi or a Kluber or anything like that. I, I would put Carlos Carrasco above them. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, you can you can go you can go either way, and I'm not gonna argue if he's two or three. But I think it's safe to say he's in that top three. Of he would be in that top three if he was a free agent. So essentially, the Mets picked up the second and fourth best arm in in the free agency this year when they picked up Stroman and Carrasco. If you think about it like that way. This morning we got the pleasure of watching Francisco Lindor uh, be introduced to the New York media. Uh, he was wearing a New York Mets hat. And I know that's such a small thing, but I appreciated the fact that he was wearing just a Mets hat. And it was like a cool blue one. It was like the mm -hmm. road alternate with the gray outline. James McCann didn't wear a Mets hat during his like press conference. Not that it really matters, but I just thought it was cool that Lindor was already just sitting there like wearing a Mets hat, like with a huge smile on his face. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we could break down his press conference. Uh, I'll mention a couple things if you have a couple things as well. I want to start with just one thing, and it's nothing that he said specifically it's just his entire fucking personality yeah he was just smiling the whole time he has such an his smile his the way he talks everything is so infectious i was just smiling and happy the entire time watching him because i saw how happy he was it was it was fucking beautiful this is like the happiest you've probably ever been in your entire life 
this is the greatest like five day stretch of my entire life. Like I don't think I it all goes downhill from here unless you know we do have another upset uh, against the Chiefs. Some of the things that I like that he talked about his leadership style. They were like, oh, like how are you going to go in there and like are you going to kind of like take over the locker room and you're going to like take guys under your wing? And he basically was like, that's not really my style. My style is to show up every single day, have a lot of fun, smile with the guys and just be like, hey, we're going to do this together. And I love that mentality because I think the Mets have a lot of strong personalities right now. I wouldn't say they have a strong leader right now, but they do have a lot of strong personalities. And I feel like that his style of leadership will fit well with this current regime because there's not one guy who's like, I'm the leader of the New York Mets. It's kind of like a collective, like, hey, we're all in this together. We're all young personalities. We're all having a lot of fun together. Like, join the party. Like, let's go. Let's have some fun and win some games. I, I think you have a few. Like, yeah, you, you're totally right in that he's going to be a different style. Like, you have some guys who are more vocal, like Marcus Stroman, very vocal, very, like, uh, in, a, in a good way, very vocal on social media, very vocal in the locker room. Like, if he doesn't like something, he's going he's gonna to call you out on it. That's partially – that's a leader type you need. You have, uh, like, a Michael Conforto. Michael Conforto was uh, one of their – he was their, like, player representative, uh, correct, I think? Yeah. Yeah, he is. So, so and he – Michael Conforto's, like, not very – he's not, like, terribly vocal, but that's a different kind of leader who's going to do all the back the backdoor stuff. Alonzo, uh, vocal here and there. Like, they have all these different kinds of leaders who aren't the same. So, Lindor not being, like, I'm not going to be the guy in your face. I'm going to be a team player is a different kind of leader that would fit perfectly in this in the locker room all right so we haven't talked about it yet but it was a huge part of the press conference huge part of making this deal is that you hope you can lock francisco lindor up long term um that being said i just off the rip you have to imagine this contract is going to be pretty similar to what like the likes of manny machado probably received uh, his stat comparison is pretty similar to machado so that being said, Machado signed for 10 years, $300 million. Are you ready for the New York Mets to hand out that type of money? Because if you want Francisco Lindor in Queens for 10 years, it's going to be that type of money. I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for the right, for the blue person to come along or like, here, take all of my, it's the, it's the, the Futurama gift here. Just take my money. When I was, when I was like thinking of, oh, what's this extension going to be like? Like we've never had to think about an extension of that magnitude or a signing of that real magnitude. I mean, it should have been what Degrom was getting, but uh, the one good thing Brody ever did was they he fleeced him and gave him like a yeah. hundred fifty million dollar contract. Uh, so that was like the the last guy I could think of where they would possibly think of giving him that mega deal like that. So we've never had to go north of two hundred million. I'm so prepared to give this guy whatever he wants. He's twenty. Five, seven, six, 27. Still, prime of his career. Give him everything. And people will be like, oh, 10 years is too long or whatnot. He's the client at the end of his at the end of that contract. Let's worry about it then. Give him whatever he wants now. Lock him up before spring training. He said he that he's not going to negotiate in season. Get this done now. I feel like they, they've been they've been working on it. You don't make this trade without having a, the contract negotiation and the extension in your mind. Yeah, like you, you, like you just said, you just said it right on the head. You don't trade for Francisco Lindor knowing that you aren't going to be giving him a contract around $300 million. Like you don't give up that type of like prospect capital because at the end of the day, like if you trade, if you trade for Lindor and then you don't resign him and then Jimenez turns out to be a star in Cleveland and then the Mets don't have a shortstop next year, everyone's going to be kind of pissed off with this regime. Like this deal makes sense if the extension happens. 
they had to have known what they were getting themselves into number wise when they did this deal. Like you have to imagine Cohen's going to be aggressive. So I'm, I'm, I'm all on board with you. I, I think you throw in an opt out or two in the deal too. If he, if he wants out after like year three or four or whatever, mm-hmm. but if you sign him to a 10 year deal and you win two championships during that time, no one's going to say a word. Nope. Now let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Cause talking about if he, like we obviously want to get this deal done as soon as possible. What is like, say it doesn't get done by spring training. Say there's, there's whatever snag. It's not like an adverse thing. It's just like, ah, uh, the numbers aren't lining up exactly how they want it. Uh, it's getting close to the season. Lindor is not going to really want to, to do it right now. Like, Hey, we'll push to the end of the season. Are you going to be scared at all? If they don't get a contract done before spring training? Oh, I'll be absolutely fucking terrified. Okay. I'll be terrified. If we have to go, into like November, right before free agency starts next year. Even let's say the Mets even like let's say 2021 is a year of fucking magic, and they go out and they win a championship, but he doesn't re-sign before all that. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. They they have to get this done before the season starts. Now, is it impossible for them to get it done after like the next season? Yeah, obviously it's possible, but it's more nerve-wracking to have other teams being able to bring him into the building and be like, hey. You know, we can offer you just as much, if not more. No, I, I get that. And I, I don't know. I don't know why it might just be because I have so much trust in this regime right now that if it goes past spring training, we don't have a contract with them. I'm not going to be thrilled. I'm not going to not be a little scared, but I don't think terrified is my word. I'll be a little nervous, but I will have confidence that they'll get it done as soon as the season rolls around. I know they're not going to want to. I know that Lindor's not going to want to physically negotiate but i'd have to imagine that his the that porter and alderson and everyone involved in the front office is going to be in contact with his agent about uh what are some of the figures that we're looking at just so we can we can have uh, something squared whenever he's ready to actually talk i just have i it might just be that i just have total trust in in the front office that i'm not going to be terrified but i won't i i'll be worried not terrified. isn't that crazy that's absolutely crazy the sentence you just said you just said you're a PJ, you're a New York Mets fan, and you just said you have total trust in the front office. These are different How times, Brian. Feel? How does they, that feel? These are different times and they feel fucking great. And you know what? I do too. I do too. This is great. I feel like I'm living in the matrix. This is like a this is a different reality. Bro, I I, I feel the same way. The fucking Mets are a juggernaut team now. The Browns are the best team ever. I, this is this is the absolute just greatest. Also, a couple other things I want to mention about this press conference real quick before we move on. He was just rattling off like the mid two thousand Mets roster, like name and obviously. So if you don't know, Francisco Lindor is a Puerto Rican player. He was listing every like inspiring Puerto Rican player and other talented Mets players on those teams. He was just rattling them off, and Bro, he was when like, he, when he name dropped Andy Chavez, I lost it. I was like, there's no way he just brought up Andy Chavez. The name drop. I loved him even more from that second forward. Dude, did you hear the part when he I, I busted out laughing watching this uh when he was like, Oh, like who are some of the Mets players you're excited or like like who have you heard from? And he's like, Oh, me and Thomas Nito are really good friends. Yeah, I heard that's what the like what? What Thomas Nito? I'm like, he's barely gonna play. Thomas <laughs> but, with with just oh, that connection, he Tomas. has Thomas Nito has secured a position as the Mets backup catcher for Lindor's entire contract with him just being friends with him. Oh, all right. I don't want to do that. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he deserves it. I'm just saying if Lindor likes you, you're a franchise guy. You have full reign to get whoever you want on your team. 
Uh, also, classic Andy Martino. Second time I'm going after him this episode, but classic Andy Martino. His question was such a buzzkill. Yeah. Everything is like so positive and high energy, and he's just like he immediately brings up COVID, and they start talking about COVID. That being said, Francisco Lindor's like answer to COVID was so responsible and straightforward and like protective. He said like last season. Uh, it was challenging because his fiance was pregnant and he wanted to like make sure she was safe. And he's like, maybe I don't get sick, but if I get it and I give it to someone else, maybe they get a lot sicker, like super, super, super incredible human being. Like I'm just so excited for this man to be in Flushing Queens to have this type of star in our city, in our stadium. Like the tides are turning, man. And, and this is, this is going to be a hell of a ride under these first few years of Cohen. You can see also Martino was trying to bait Lindor into talking shit about his old teammates, but he had nothing but good things to say about Cleveland and everyone on his team. Cause obviously they had the, the problem with Clevenger and Zach Plesek who broke COVID protocols last year. So he brought that up and he's like, Oh, how does it feel to have those guys in the locker room after they did that? He was like, those guys are great guys. I have nothing but bad things to say. They made a mistake, but everyone makes mistakes. And he had, he was like the city of Cleveland loved me. I loved them back. Just didn't work. Just we had kind of part ways. The, just the nicest things to say. And you'll love to see that. You didn't, didn't want to see the guy trash the old team and whatnot because that would just not have looked like classy really or anything. But he was just so, such a professional. I think that's the best word to say. A absolute uh, professional. Obviously, this was a massive trade that the New York Mets made. They were linked to a lot of trade speculation during this week. Uh, I think the most notable, I would say, was that a lot. It was like the same day as the Francisco Lindor acquisition was done like two hours after it was like mm -hmm. New York Mets and Cubs having conversation over Chris Bryant. Uh, there was also some trade speculation around Kyle Seager. So it looks like through those type of conversations that the Mets are not comfortable with having JD Davis as their everyday third baseman. Um, I'll tell you what, when I saw the Chris Bryant one, I was just like, we're just going to, we're just assembling a super team. Like I, I was, I couldn't believe that this was still something they were even considering. When I, I was I feel like I was in the minority when I saw Chris Bryant. I didn't get as excited. I was in Chris Bryant's a bit like a big, big name and was an MVP, was the rookie of the year. He was fucking horrendous last year. He just looked complete. And I've said this many times and I'll, I'll stay true to my word that uh, last year was very much an anomaly. I'm not going to really take too much away from bad seasons of last year. Uh, it was a little troubling seeing how much he struggled, but it's not the complete player he is but i don't know there's just something about it i was i was like i i was like eh. i don't know i didn't i didn't get as excited as i felt everyone else felt and the fact that they were linked the cubs wanted uh for alvarez and some of the other top prospects that's when i knew that i was like i don't think this trade is happening and it kind of got it, there's like mixed disputes now whether it happened like these talks happened a long time ago and they just surfaced now or that this isn't actually a realistic thing. It was just like a back and forth for a little bit. So it's kind of up in the air if like this is actually a possibility. I don't think it is because I don't think Sandy or anyone in the front office is going to want to part ways with like those top five prospects. No, I, I don't think either of these trades for Seager or Brian are actually going to come to fruition. Um, that being said, though, I had a friend text me being like, so Chris Bryant? And my immediate reaction was like, just saying the infield in my head, so I was like, Chris Bryant at third, Francisco Lindor at short, Jeff McNeil at second, and Pete Alonso at first, but James McNeil, uh, James McCann catching and Jacob DeGrand on the mound. I was like, are you, are you, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, all time. 
that's what I said. I texted them back and I was like, they would have the best infield of all time. And I, I had such a, I had such a hard time, like processing that, that I, I did. It was, a, you know, I got lost in the thought I got lost Fair. in the sauce of having that type of infield because obviously he's a former MVP and Chris Bryant's a very, very good baseball player. Do not get me wrong. Is he an upgrade over JD Davis? Yeah, absolutely. Let's not be dumb. Um, but taking a step back, I don't want to keep giving up these type of prospect capital because to build a successful organization, you need to still have your own homegrown guys who come up as well as acquiring this talent through free agency and trades. Like you need to have a mixture of both. And I don't want to sell the farm on year one of this error. I'd like to see how this year like forms. And guess what? If they win a world series. All right, cool. We have it. We have what we need. Now we go all in on this product even more. Or if they make it to a World Series or an NLCS, now we go all in even more. That's what they did wrong in 2015. They made it to a World Series. They had a good enough core to compete for World Series, and they did not go all in on that organ. They didn't go all all eh, all in on that roster like they should have, and that's why they never returned. If you make it far enough this year, you go all in on this roster, and you just let the five year window be like this is it let's go right now so it was alluded to after the Lindor trade that the Mets have roughly 28 million to to play with now to stay on it was it stay under the luxury tax or was it just that they have 28 million dollars that they're willing to spend this year to stay under luxury stay under okay so now we go to the question of what's next because we talked about this, we put the poll out you're looking at either like George Springer is obviously still the big fish out there that we've been saying this entire I also before against that that what if or what's next type thing I do want to put out again I said last week definitely if they don't get Springer this offseason's a loss that was without Francisco Lindor uh coming to my mind if they don't get George Springer now it's like Lindor replaces the Springer of of the if they don't get uh X guy it's a it's a failed offseason if that makes sense PJ, do you know what today's date is? Today's date is January 11th. January 11th is the date that you've mentioned multiple times on this airway, saying that uh, this would be the day George Springer is in a New York Met uniform. Um, that has not happened yet. Do you have any comments on that? You've mentioned it often. So I want to clarify. Um, we all know I've had uh, some computer and mic troubles. I don't think you guys heard me. I, I was saying Francisco Lindor would okay. be, would be in a Mets uniform. Um, you can clearly see at the press conference today, he was wearing a Mets hat. So uh, I was correct. Uh, give me my applause. But going back to what we were originally saying, it's, it's realistically, it's probably George Springer and maybe another relief arm and a low end starter that you can kind of play with. Or you go for the, the quantity over quality. Not saying these guys aren't quality guys, but you know what I'm trying to say. Of Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, a hand slash a, a Liam Hendricks and another starter. So what are you leaning towards now? This is really, really tough. Um, this is like, I don't know. I really don't know. George Springer is probably going to have a contract. His annual money is probably going to be higher than $25 million a year. So if you did a deal like this, you need to structure his deal where it's almost a little more back-ended if you still wanted to get another piece or you need to move a piece like Familia or something else. You got to shred money somewhere else in order to acquire more. Um, so basically for me, this is basically, do I want George Springer and a couple guys on minor league deals 
or do I want Jackie Bradley deal Jackie Bradley Jr. and Brad Hand slash Liam Hendricks? That's that's really what this comes down to in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, this is tough, man. This is really tough. But I, you're not going to go wrong either way. No. If you have George Springer in that lineup with this core group of guys that's already there now, like this, you're going to have so much fun. This offense is going to be electric. That being said, defense up the middle is something that this team has been prioritizing. We've got a better defensive catcher now with James McCann. We got one of the best, if not the best, defensive shortstop in the game. Jeff McNeil goes back to his normal position. You could put a gold glove center fielder out there with Jackie Bradley Jr. And your defense up the middle is phenomenal. So I'm not opposed to going that route at all because you're going to be so strong up the middle if you do something like that. George Springer is a freaking superstar. I mean, World Series champion, regardless of all the, you know, acquisitions, what happened with the Astros and whatnot. I think George Springer is legit. I don't think the cheating really made George Springer who he is. I think George Springer is a star. Um, You add him to this team, you add him to this franchise for four to five years. You know, sky's the limit. But I don't want to give him more than $150 million because out of nowhere, if you give Francisco Lindor that kind of money and then you're trying to lock up Conforto, and we talked about potentially trying to lock up Syndergaard maybe if he comes back healthy. And then you still got Pete and Jeff who are going to be coming up in like two or three years. You're going to have a lot of money tied up places. And if you're not able to lock up some of these homegrown guys, I think a lot of Met fans are going to be a little upset. So handing out a monster deal to Springer scares me. That, I, I think I'm convincing myself. I think I was doing this last week. I, I think I'd rather them go the Jackie Bradley on like a two-year deal and go get myself like a Brad Hand or Liam Hendricks and just and just you have enough offense already. You do. Like right now you have enough offense to be one of the best offenses in baseball. Yeah, this uh this center field move I I don't think there's a wrong answer here, whichever one you want in the moment. Cuz obviously Springer's the better bet and his defense is still phenomenal. But when you said if you're looking into the future, it might not be as advantageous to go and do that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what a word. Yeah, I know words. I've been reading lately. Can you spell that word? Not a shot. But yeah, neither could I. All right. Yeah. Um, very advantageous to go out and get uh Springer to be not only like a good bat and a good defensive, but the right hitting leadoff hitter that we kind of need to like pretty badly. But Jackie Bradley Jr. is a gold glove center fielder, maybe the best defensive center fielder in the league. Uh, definitely a top five, top three type of guy. And then you can add another big arm in the bullpen because I've been on uh, Edwin Diaz's shit for, for a while. He had a solid season. I'm still not – like, I'm still jittery if he comes in, but he's very much earned the, the closer role going into next year after last season. Still jittery. I'd still like another kind of guy to be able to step in there where if it's either a Brad Hand or a Liam Hendricks to where if Diaz starts struggling again, you can feel comfortable putting that guy in as the, the closer. And then they still need a fifth starter. They still need, they still need a guy. Like right now, your rotation is looking something like uh, Degrom, Stroman, Carrasco, Peterson, probably Steven Matz at this point. And I don't feel comfortable. With, I would feel fine with Steven Matz being like the sixth starter, the guy who, if someone gets hurt or someone needs a day off, you bring him in. Uh, that's fine. But they need a guy, and I think like a reclamation project, like Corey Kluber or James Paxton. It's probably going to move if you go that. So I'm in the same boat. I think I'm talking myself more into the JBJ and other route than the Springer route. But same thing as you said with Bauer last week. If the 
notification popped up on my phone, the Mets signed George Springer, I'd be ecstatic. So there's no real wrong answer. It's just what are you prioritizing? You're prioritizing now or you're prioritizing or you're looking into the future. If they sign George Springer, this is like a really, this is going to sound like a poverty Met fan move, but this is something that I would like to actually see them do. If they sign George Springer, I'd like to see them bring on a minor league deal, Kevin Pillar, because Kevin Pillar is a, a monster defensive center fielder. Um, and you could put him at any of the corner spots for like, just like a defensive replacement. If you wanted to put somebody else, like move Springer to left, put Pilar in center for like late game, uh, like defense alignments. If you're not going to go prioritize defense with center field, and if you're going to prioritize with going with George Springer's offense, sign a defensive player who's like a dominant defensive outfielder. And I think Pilar is going to be a minor league. Like you'll get him on a minor league deal easily. So I could be wrong. Did he sign? No, not Pilar. No, I'm not talking Pilar. Oh, I was like, I, I was no, like, I was talking because I like Pilar too. And I like that, that mindset of getting another outfielder to kind of be a defensive replacement type guy. And Pilar is a very good defensive outfielder, but they have a guy. I don't know is, if he's still under contract with them, but Jake Marisnik could be that kind of guy as a, he's not, you probably, I, I think, mean, go on. I don't think he's under contract. Okay. Um, I, yeah, no, he, he's a free agent right now, but that's another type of guy in that same type of role that you could bring in. He'd be the same thing at defensive replacement because Marizic is, is whatever. He's basically the same thing with maybe a better bat than Pilar, but you'd be more looking at the defensive side than the offensive side on that one. Yep. If, if it's, you say that as a poverty, you say it's a poverty Mets thought. I don't think that is. I think that's smart because you want to have those guys. Injuries are going to happen. Stuff is going to happen where these guys might get hurt for a little bit. You don't want it to happen, obviously, but it's going to happen. And you need more or less, you need guys who have had that experience in those roles to come in. You don't want to th- just throw out guys who are like, this is their first season and you think they might be good. You want to have a few guys, a few veterans in, in AAA who are on the 40 men who have done this before, who could step in right away for a little bit and be productive. So, PJ, I don't know if you know this, but um, we have a third member of our podcast named Pat. It's been very quiet this episode. Yeah. But, but Pat's Washington Nationals acquired an outfielder this week. Pat, would you like to tell us who the Washington Nationals acquired? Yeah, they got Schwarbar, and it's a big, big addition to the squad. Welcome him and Josh Bell. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I personally, I've honestly, like, not to be like, like for satire, I actually do love Schwarber. I've I've loved him when he joined back on that that Cubs team in 2015. That's when they won the World Series, right? 16. Yeah, when he came back from injury and like just routed up the team and like got some good bats. So no, I'm fine. I'm pumped. Apparently, it's a good signing. It's a good deal. So I can't complain. It's a good low risk deal for them. Schwarber is the Kyle Schwarber reminds me of Adam Dunn at this point, where he's gonna hit like 210, 220, but if he hits the ball right, it's going 500. It's going 500. Oh God, he yeah, he's, so, he's got a bat. He's he's dangerous in the sense that he can take one out at any pitch, but it's like he's a defensive liability and he doesn't hit for average. But a good low risk signing for the Nationals, which I hate yeah. to say it, but he is. Well, I'm assuming he's going to fill up the spot that Adam Eaton took in right field because we don't have a right fielder right now. Yeah, he, he he's probably going to start in right fielder. Did, so, they, did they decide on a DH yet or no? See, that's the, that's another thing. Actually, said it. That's another thing I want to bring up, and I think I meant to bring this up last episode. If I didn't, uh, or if I did, I don't really remember. But I think that's a reason why there's a lot, there's not much happening right now in the free agent front. That teams, like obviously, especially the National League teams and players, are still waiting to see if they're going to get the go ahead to, to get the DH 
and they don't want to sign anyone without knowing what their roster situation is going to be like. And I was talking to my dad earlier today, and it brought up on the player front, a guy like Nelson Cruz, who's a free agent, who he might be sitting back like, hey, I could have 15 other teams that I could think to sign with. Let me wait and not sign anything yet because I'm a, I'm a DH. I can't play the outfield anymore. I don't have that type of mobility. So it's, it was something in my head that I thought of that could be partially the reason why it's very slow this offseason. I want to know what your thoughts are, Brian. No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, obviously, I think when it comes even to the Mets, the DH would make this current Mets team so much better. Like, if you could have Dom Smith in this lineup every single day and have Brandon Nimmo in left field, like, that is your better defensive alignment and your offense is so much better. Like, you could even give Pete time at DH like they did last year. Dom is a better defensive first baseman than Pete. You could switch that up every once in a while. Like, the DH makes so much sense for all Major League Baseball, especially with the league being kind of short on money. Get these guys more money. Get these guys more opportunities to have these teams in on them. The DH is such such a home run like it's 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 so stupid if they go into the 21 season without a dh and the pitchers are taking at bats again do you think it's going to happen this year because i feel like we were pretty far in to where they should have announced it by now i don't think it's going to happen i major league baseball has constantly disappointed us and the fans with just not being able to get it like some of the most simple things with how to market this game and make it more exciting people want offense get more superstar talents, opportunities to swing the bats for more teams. Like this is a freaking no brainer and they're going to miss. So the pitcher is going to be swinging again. And I guarantee you're going to have a pitcher get hurt, taking it at bat, running to first. And then this whole argument is going to come up again. And then next year, the 2022 season, they're going to be like, oh, okay, now we'll do it. Like this, this should have been done already. We're looking at DH in the 2022 season. I think that's a given. I just wish it was this year because it would help the Mets out so much. 100%. 100%. All right. So moving on, do you have anything else you want to bring up free agency wise? Do you want to bring up our boy DJ LeMahieu? Yeah. So it came out today. Was it today or yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I think yesterday that DJ LeMahieu is pissed at the Yankees and how they're handling his free agent situation. That he's so pissed that he's going to go back and look at other shooters for his, for his uh, free agent prowess and uh, services. And the one, the one team I saw was the Dodgers. That was the only other team I saw. He's not pissed. He's dismayed. Dismayed, yes. So he was dismayed with the New York Yankees. Um, we don't talk about the Yankees on this show. Never. And we're not going to now. No. But the tides are turning. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm gonna, oh, we saw it last night. You, we're coming. We're, we're, we're coming. Um, little, sometimes... Uh, you keep calling little brother, little brother, little brother grows up at some point and starts beating the shit out of older brother. Cool. I have a funny story I want to share. Okay. So, shout out the fan. I was listening to Boomer and Geo. Um, just to give some backstory, Geo tweeted out that he was going to go on a hunger strike until Steve Cohen signed someone significant. Uh, Steve Cohen, like basically was like replying to him on Twitter, joking around on that topic. Uh, so the day the Mets traded for Francisco Lindor, Steve Cohen DMs Geo on Twitter and says, what do you classify as a signing? This is two hours before it gets public that the Mets traded for Lindor. And Gio like, kind of responded to him being like, uh, like a significant like, signing of a superstar caliber player. And then like, the deal comes out, and then Cohen messages him again like, ah, I still didn't sign anyone then. <laughs> like, this man is so in tune with what's going on on Twitter, in the New York media, and he's just having a blast. 
like all the people that went after him for not going after free agents or taking too long, like just shut up and trust this man. Mm-hmm. Trust this man because he's going to give you a product to be proud of as a New York Mets fan. He already has. Like if this team was to run out there right now, this is a competitive enough team to compete for a wild card or a division right now. And they're not done. He's just having so much fun. Just being on, he's having a blast on Twitter. He's having a blast with the fans and blast with all the personalities. And if you're like very salty to him, that, that's just on you, man. You just can't enjoy a good, a good thing. Oh, I mean, if I was a fan of a different team and I saw this, I'd be like annoyed. Like, yeah, why isn't that my guy? So like, fuck him in, in a sense. But man, he's just, he's so fun. And I'm and also meant to bring, we're talking about people having fun. I want I meant to bring this up too. When we we're talking about the Lindor press conference, Francisco Lindor, gets what baseball should be too he said i just go out there and have fun it's a game i'm blessed to have the opportunity to play this game at a high level people love watching me play i love doing this i'm just out there having fun that's why i smile that's why i'm always so cheery and happy i'm just having a good time that's what baseball should be that's what sports are it's it's like i use this word a ton it's refreshing to see just people having fun and understanding this is a game it's obviously a business on one end but it's a game. This is 95% to 100% of people wish they could have that job. And if you're going to be doom and gloom and just, uh, I'm here for the money and not having fun, just like, fuck off, man. You have the best job in the world. Francis Lord gets it. He is having a fucking blast, and that's how he plays. And I'm, so, I'm just so fucking excited for this season. Spring training can't come soon enough. All right. We're talking about happiness. We're talking about smiling. TJ, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about the Cleveland Brown football team. And they've won a playoff game the sure first did. time in 20-something 94. years. 1994. So just the floor is yours. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, like I said before with the Mets and the Yankees, uh, sometimes once a little brother grows up, they kick the shit out of you. That was an absolute ass kicking from the jump. They made me sweat it out. Uh, not going to lie. They can never make it easy. But they had a 10-point lead that whole game. Like That's what's being glossed over. They absolutely kicked the shit out of the Steelers. And if you are a Baker Mayfield hater, you still don't think that he's a franchise quarterback. I don't know what's wrong with you at this point. You could say the defense picked him up on that game, which I don't agree with. You could say it's the running game. Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb are fucking fantastic. But Baker Mayfield made the throws he needed to make. They did it without their head coach. They did it with two of their best offensive linemen not there. They did it with half their defense out. This is a team that's here to fucking stay. This is a team of longevity. Whatever happens next, I'm perfectly fine with this. this is a successful season. The Browns are here to stay. Did you say uh, Stefanski's on the hot seat? You don't really yeah. need him, it looks like. No, I love Kevin Stefanski so much, man. He, he is he's part of what changed the culture. But I want to give a, a special shout-out to Jarvis Landry. I want Jarvis Landry's number retired in the Raptors in, uh, in First Energy. He completely came in in 2018 and flipped the entire uh, organization on set. He is a huge, huge part of that culture change in that team. And I, I love him. He's the fucking, he's the man. And I love everything about him. I love every single person on the Browns too. Last night, trolling, absolutely trolling the fuck out of Juju. That fucking asshole. Oh, Corvette, Corvette, get the fuck out of my face, dude. I feel like it goes back to like that clip from Hard Knocks with uh, Jarvis Landry with uh, it's the culture, man. It's the culture. Yep. We're gonna change the culture. Like, no, it's true. 
it really is. And you can make like I know you're not making fun of that that clip. You're just bringing it up. No, no, I'm not. I know, I know you're not. But that's 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 what he did. He came in and changed the entire culture. He is he's that vocal leader. We we're talking about how Mark like Marcus Stroman is for the Mets. He's very vocal, and you need that guy in your team. I I'm so the Browns and the Mets are fucking on the up and up. Even the Knicks uh, look pretty look like they're they're building something. All my everything's looking up for me. Uh, Pat, please talk about the Washington football team at this time. Uh, listen, Taylor Heineke uh, will be wearing some uh, some accessories on his fingers in about three to five years when he wins the Super Bowl. Uh, no, but honestly, I'm I'm I, that's all I wanted for the Washington football team to do. I wanted it to be a competitive game against the Buccaneers, and that's exactly what it was. It went down to a game potential game tying last drive by Taylor Heineke. I just I I you saw a glimpse of him on I think two drives the uh the Panthers game with Heineke and like he, he just he honestly just feels so much confident with him under center than Dwayne Haskins ever in the last two years so I mean it's everything's looking up like you're, you're talking culture with Stefanski I'm going to reiterate the same thing with with uh Ron Rivera in culture even with the, the our horrible owner Dan Snyder like it's just it's I'm actually excited for this offseason and more to just like see who our quarterback's going to be week one next year What's going to happen over the, uh, the pre, if there are even in preseason games, but no, I'm excited. It, it's a tough loss. I mean, I was not in a mental state to accept that loss, but it was, it was still a great, a great game. That's all you can ask for. And I mean, Tom, Tom Brady just doesn't age. He's he, the throws he was making. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like he's like, oh, it's crazy. Pat, he's crazy. I know, I know I sent the, the meme in our Twitter in the big man group chat, but you know, oh. I'm just going to reiterate um, the, the two hands. Um, me and you, uh, our nameless, faceless teams taking the shit out of the Steelers. Yep. Brian, you want to talk about the Jets? Uh, hopefully we get a coach that gives us this culture that you guys are uh, drinking from. Does that sound Doug like Peterson. a lot of fun? There you nope. go. Nope. Hey, you, you wouldn't take Doug Peterson? I don't want that. Is, I mean, Dude, maybe if you have I, 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 he would have he kept his job. I think if you also had like a competent quarterback that doesn't, his, his skin isn't made out of glass and his bones are made out of sawdust. Is that the saying? No. Talk about Carson Wentz. I think he's talking yeah, about Carson Wentz. All right. I don't know. I think Doug's still a great head coach. He won a world. He won a Super Bowl. He won a World for Series. For a backup quarterback. So we need World Series championships here at Scooter and the Big Man talking Mets baseball. Uh, <laughs> that being said, Pat, before the show, I called you and I asked you to do something for me. Uh, I did not tell PJ about this. Uh, so, PJ, I got a couple reviews from family members over this last week. Okay. So, um, plain and simple. They think that we use the F word too much on this show. They said we're yep. dropping a lot of hard F bombs. And, you know, it's not good for our elderly uh, listeners who can't handle that type of talk. You know what we tell them? I'm not uh, going to say it. You could have said it if I'm, you wanted to. I'm not going to say it. Um, that being said, I asked Pat to do an F bomb counter on this episode. And he counted each of our F bombs. Uh, Pat, would you like to read your results of what yeah. you have so far? I mean, bro. Brian's is not that bad. I have I have six. I might have missed one or two, but I have okay. six for Brian. It's in the single digits, though. PJ, I mean, my God, you sailor, you. Yep. I I got twenty one, and I think you, you were. I think you were rocking like ten before we talked about the Browns, and then you just, and then that's why I just I wanted to just keep asking you questions about the Browns because I knew you'd just keep going, <laughs> and you and you didn't disappoint, bud. So 20, <laughs> six, and I have zero. Hey, I'm, we, uh, we we tag we have the explicit tag uh the explicit i don't know what it actually is the word 
but you can see uh, this is not for children. Or if you don't like the, uh, you don't like the, the the way I talk, you know that's fine. I'm used to being uh, ridiculed. I, I will not. I will not change who I am for anyone. Yeah, they can fuck off. Oh, there's one. Pat. All right. So <laughs> Pat, there, okay, Pat, one, one. Uh, so twenty-one to six will be the score of the Browns Chiefs game. Uh, we won't say who has the score oh, of what, but we'll just say that will be the score. Okay. Is that a, is that a That's scoregami, Brian? No, but it was the last... a scoregami last night. <laughs> there you go. Forty-eight, thirty-nine. Scoregami king. Thirty-seven. Uh, that being said, now we got a we got a draft. We sure do. We got a draft. So this is to, just to give some backstory. Uh, we are on this website called Chartable. Chartable tells you where you rank in the United States worldwide in certain categories. And uh, right now you are listening to the number three baseball podcast in all of Italy. Yes. So we, want go, celebrate, we want to celebrate our Italian listeners and followers. We're doing a draft of Italian things. So we left this kind of as a blanket thing. This is just Italian things. This is open for any interpretation that you can possibly go with this. Uh, I do not know the draft order. So if someone does, that would be great. I believe I just it's, realized. I believe it's Pat, Brian, me. I went first last time. I know that. Okay. That's, that's fine. Right. We'll, we'll, no, we'll do it that way. That's fine. I appreciate that. Yeah. We, we just got, I think we should just use this draft to, you know, show our Italian <laughs> viewers, listeners that we are cultured. We do respect their, like them. Yes. And I think we're going to go, I think after this draft with the graphic, we're going to go to number one. Also, I think that's shout out me for winning a draft. Good for you, Brian. You go. Proud of you. Finally, it, it took till episode what? 24 for all of us to win Stonehenge. at least one draft. Stonehenge, baby. Hey, that, I that's a meme out. I have to make is, is the, the, the sheer, your first four picks had to carry the, the Stonehenge pick so hard. Yeah. No, is that, you, one through four were very strong, and I said it. I said it on the podcast. Stonehenge still bad pick, but uh, when you have when you have a strong eighty percent of your team, they can carry you. Also, real quick, I thought of a really overrated thing today, and I'm really upset I didn't think about it. Uh, the song "Don't Stop Believing." Okay, that's. Uh, I All feel right. like if you would have said that like fifteen years ago, that would have been like a good. Yeah, I feel like that's not. Like, it's kind of like drifting off in the dust. Yeah, like, yeah. I, see right, where, Pat, I see where you're going with that. I see where you're going with that. Italian things, Pat. Would have been better than Stonehenge. All right, so my let me pull up my list. My number one. I'll also preface with my picks. I did visit Italy last year. Uh, it was a great. Fucking, it was a great. I'm not trying to you know pander, but I did go. I did experience the Italian culture. So some of these are going to be reflective of my experience there. So for my first pick, uh, I'm going to go with the Peroni beer. It's Italian beer. It's like the I guess it's their like Budweiser for us. Uh, it's delicious. I had it on the beaches of Sorrento. Uh, it was fantastic. And uh, that's really much it. I just like beer. So I chose Peroni. And I know I didn't want to go basic with my first pick. But on, have you guys ever have you guys ever had Peroni beer? Never even heard of it. I've been to Italy before also, but I was oh, too young. Sick, sick brag. Yeah. I was too young. I was like 12. But you've never had Peroni? I was 12. Pat. Oh, well, that's, you should have started with that. I said it. And you, you said you had, but, I said it. Okay. I think you curse in there too. Let me write that down. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> fucking fucking probably. No, it's a really it's a really good beer. I highly recommend go to your total wine near you. It's a really good beer. It's soft, it's smooth. It's kind of like a, Spon- like a, a Heineken and a Corona together. It's really good. Uh, and then uh, Brian, you're up next. All right. So I feel like this is this draft is gonna be really interesting because I feel like I've interpreted it as way differently, but I'm excited for what's about to happen. Uh for Italian things, number one, I said talking with your hands. 
Okay. I had that in mind. So talking with your hands, doing like the play or any, any kind of hand reaction. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do a hand reaction when we're on a podcast, but just have no, everyone. It's more the sounds you just made. <laughs> I moved my hand no. as in, a, in a kiss or something like that, where I threw my fingers up in the air. I did the kiss and I threw five fingers in the air. All the Italians know what it is. Talking with your hands, number one Italian thing you could do. Okay, no, that's pick. true. That's, that's, that's a staple that's a good Italian that's culture. Good All right. Um, my number one is, uh, you know, his anniversary today, 22 years since he, he came on to the scene. It's Mr. Tony Soprano. That's good, good pick. The Sopranos, good pick. I was thinking uh, of that, debut. too. I, I originally wanted to have just the entire Sopranos, but I feel like that takes away from other other picks. So I want, I want the... The mastermind himself, the main man, Tony Soprano, uh, rest in peace, James Gandolfini. I'm very excited for when they come with that like Soprano spinoff soon. I think it should be coming out soon too. Yeah, I think I'm they might have wrapped filming, so we'll see. All right, that's a solid pick. Yeah. Um, my my next pick, my next pick is gonna be a Lamborghini. Mm, that's just, on my list. Just absolute. Okay. That was not not on my list. Beauty of a car. My maybe my dream car. I guess I'm not much of a car guy. But anytime I like I would see a Lamborghini, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the best fucking car. I feel like that could be like another overrated thing too. I feel like growing so. up, Lamborghinis were the biggest thing, but now like you can like under, you can appreciate like a Ferrari and other sports cars. It's like okay, yeah. like Lamborghini was like the number one sports car as kids like looking up forward. But it's like eh, there might be some other. There's other good ones there. out there, but I think a Lamborghini is still no, it's still yeah, it's, it's, still, no, it's still really good. Yeah, it's I good still love the drive. Uh, all right, uh, my, sec- right. my second pick is going to be uh, season four of Jersey Shore when they go to Italy. <laughs> I like that I'm pick. so I like that. Pick. I'm so mad I didn't think of that pick. <laughs> I like, oh I like that God, pick a lot. That's so that's a good one. That's, that's so good. That's like, a good I, one. Oh my God! Uh, nothing more Italian than season four of uh, Jersey Shore. That's a good oh pick. I, that's a good pick. The best, the best visual from that season is Mike. The situation after like fucking up his neck, headbutting the wall. He's sitting there with the neck brace with the sunglasses on and he's crying. You can see the little tears coming out. It's a, it's a meme somewhere. It's such a great season. At your pick. All right. Fuck. I'm selfish. I didn't think of that. Yeah, me too. Uh, my second, my second pick, probably the greatest Italian ever in the history of Italy. I'm going to go from inglorious bastards. Enzo Gorlami. It's Brad Pitt. When Brad Pitt. Yes. Gorlami. 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 Well, in, in the whole scene, they make him basically just repeat his name. But I, I love I love Inglorious Bastards. I love that scene with Christoph Waltz. Buongiorno. Just I still it's one of like my most quotable things to this day is, is Buongiorno. So I'm gonna go with Enzo Gorlomi. Tomato tomato. Uh, uh, it's just the scene. I love it. That's my favorite scene in that entire yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so it's it's like the so such a stressful scene because you know he's fucking with them. But yeah. It's like they're just oh, it's so good. And then my number third pick, I'm gonna go uh, back to some food. I'm gonna go a nice bruschetta. I think like the perfect bruschetta is just delicious. It's part you can eat. I know like you had antipasto like for the uh, the holiday food draft. Yeah. Was it the holiday food draft? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Just like you can eat so much of it, if, if the perfect bread, the perfect amount of like the, t- the tomato and the, the fresh mozzarella. It's, uh, it's it's great. So bruschetta is my third pick. Good pick. Uh, I'm I'm stuck here, boys. I'm not gonna lie. I got a couple different avenues I can go. Um, Your I'm second gonna, pick. I'm going to do. If I'm doing my second pick, I'm going to go with a musical artist that came from Italy, that shocked our generation as we grew up. 
and that is going to be Paolo from the Lizzie McGuire movie. Okay. No, no bigger superstar. Uh, unfortunately, we found out he's a fraud. But yeah, gonna I was going to say that, that he's, he's the biggest. He's the biggest asshole. Uh, <laughs> we're we're just going to say Paolo from Lizzie McGuire. Oh, okay. I mean, right. you kind of buried your pitch there a little bit when you said he's the biggest fraud in the world, and he used he lit the fan the fan. The fans are only going to see the graphic, Pat. No one listens to the show. You should have went with the sister. He's not wrong. That's the sister, right? Apollo's sisters, Lizzie McGuire's twin. Or Pat, you have a pick coming up. You can pick that if you'd like, but keep going. All right. Thank all right, you. That's fine. Uh, I'm going to go with the. Uh, I'm going to go with the most famous Italian duo of all times, Mario and Luigi. Mm, fuck, that's a good one. Yep. That's I was. Uh, I was contemplating whether taking both of them would be a cheap move, but they're the Mario Bros. They 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 come in their duo. And they're, the greatest, good... they're the greatest plumbers that ever lived. BJ just won the draft. I'm pissed. I'm good pissed. Pick. My next pick has to has to rebound. And now, I don't want to go a, like a, a very basic pick. Uh, but you but, will. But the, no, this is this is a Mets podcast. Tell me with the most fa- the uh, most famous Italian Met in Mike Piazza. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I kind of a basic pick, but you know we gotta stay true to our blending. We're we're a Mets podcast. We're very famous in Italy. Bring the two together. Mike Piazza, the most famous Italian Met. All right, so staying on that wavelength, uh, it is my pick again. And I'm going to say um, volcanoes, because there's a lot of really cool volcanoes in Italy with uh, Vesuvius, Etna, and Stroboli. So uh, we're going to go volcanoes, number four. So you're saying if we're doing word association and I say Italy, your first thought is volcanoes. Yes. Isn't, it's actually my okay. fourth thought if we're going think, well can we can we can we get it on the record dormant or active uh so stromboli is the second most active i did a lot of volcano research when doing this oh my god uh oh my. volcano in the world uh vesuvius and etna they fucked some shit up back in the day uh but they've been a little quiet since this is um this is brian doing uh trying to have the tactical research of hey i won last draft and I had stonehenge so let me go now with another do these random yeah. fucking landform. Yes. All right. I guess that I guess that works. Wasn't Pompeii? Isn't that Pompeii wasn't was that Vol- It's not. Is Italy. that in Italy though? Not in Italy. I thought it was. I thought it was too. It sounds like an Italian word. Where's Pompeii? I'm gonna look that up. I think it's, right in, now. I think it's in Sicily. I I um, went island. Well, Sicily is a well, part. Sicily of, is part of Italy. Is Italy? No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's own country. It's not its own country. It's a part of Italy. It's kind of like Long Island to New York, like a state. I'm pretty sure Sicily. Um, Sicily is the largest island in the Mediterranean Sea and one of the 20 regions of Italy. There you go. Oh so wait, you, Mount Vesuvius blew up the city of Pompeii. Of Pompeii, yes. Pompeii is not a volcano. Oh, okay. City. I city, thought Pompeii yeah. was when okay. I, yeah, no. I when we when we said that because I I've been to Pompeii. I think. I you know. hung out with you hung out with the ash people. Yeah, I did. Did you touch yeah. them? <laughs> No, no it's not problematic, but that just sounded problematic. Sick, sick brag on my part. I've been a lot of places. I forget where I've been sometimes. Pompeii, wow. All right. History lesson oh. here on Scooter the Big Man. I don't even think I've been to Brooklyn. You guys been to Pompeii. That's pretty cool. I, I, I don't speak for PJ. I, PJ doesn't speak for me. I've never been to Pompeii. Uh, all right, so it's my pick. I still can't believe the Jersey Shore pick, and I'm, I'm, I, I know I lost this draft, so I, I think I kind of have to just do, like, my fuck you picks now. Sorry. Okay. Well, let me write down number two. I'm going to say pizza. Me cursing. No, I'm surprised too. None of us have said pizza. We're all trying to be more creative. So for my fourth pick, I'm gonna go. No, uh, <laughs> my fourth pick, I'm gonna go. Yeah, screw it. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go uh, gondola rides. I've never, 
I've never been in a gondola, a gondola ride. Gond, say, is it gondola? Gondola. Gondola. Jeez, gondola. Cl- gondola. I'm gonna change my fourth pick to something I can read. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll no, go with that. I, I mainly want to do that pick just for the fact that I feel like every time you see it happening, it's the guy in the back of the boat with the big ass stick, like steering the. You, you know, you look at me like I'm crazy. I know what you're talking. About, guy man. with the big stick in the back, and he's. I just don't know how that can just unless it's hitting the bottom of the ocean and it, he's pushing the boat. But I just don't understand how that really small. That's a large, long stick that's very thin. But what's my nickname in high school? Uh, but I'm just like, go. I don't. I'm like, I don't know how you can how they like maneuver those boats with the sticks. So that's why I chose it. And I could tell by both of your facial expressions, you love that pick. I mean, you already lost, so just keep going. All right, fine. Since I already already lost, no, it's fine. I'm going to defend my own pick. My my last pick I'm going to go is, uh, I'm going to bring it back to the beginning when I said I visited Italy last year. I'm going to go with my Airbnb host, Giacomo. Uh, Giacomo was a really nice Italian man, lived there his whole life. He had a really nice house. The main thing why I want to vote Giacomo is because when we were in the city of Sorrento, we had to take a bus all the way to the top of the mountain where Airbnb was. I messed up the directions. I got off about three miles past our, our house. My dad and I were going up and down the, uh, the Italian mountainside, trying to find where our Airbnb was. Couldn't find it. Found a random hotel. Went in. I'm like, can I please use your phone to like call my, like for help? And they're like, oh, sorry, sorry. You can't, you can't, you stupid American. They didn't say that. But I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? Batman signal. We called Giacomo. Giacomo's like, oh no, I'm just in the store. Give me a second. And then he like checks out of his store, meets us at the random hotel, and drives us the three and a half, four miles back to the Airbnb. So Giacomo, you're the real MVP. You saved me and my father from getting lost in the Italian side of Sorrento. So thank you, Giacomo. You're my fifth pick. You really waved. Do you have a picture of Giacomo? Uh, I don't, but before this podcast, I looked up pictures of old Italian men, and that's what I will use. That's that was my question. (laughs) That's this is you just waving the white flag. That's I think that's a good story though. Giacomo like saved there. The graph the graphic isn't going to explain that story. No, you're just going to have Oh no, I'm going to write it in really small font. <laughs> <laughs> just run right under I'm going to find some way to just explain the whole story. Giacomo. We'll see. What Giacomo. That's a sick name too, Giacomo. Yeah, it is a good name. I like it. Giacomo. Right. The pick stinks, but it sounds like name. it sounds like Mario doing a jump. Giacomo. Uh no. I'm going to finish I'm going to finish the draft with some history. Uh, I like ending the draft with our history facts now. And when I think of Italy, this is actually one of my original thoughts that I just immediate reaction. Just the ancient Roman Empire. They fuck shit up. So you know what? Shout out them. I'm just going to put the ancient Roman Empire on there. Damn it. That's cool that you wanted to end the draft that, but I think you forgot that. I still have a pick. No, I wanted to end my draft with history. You said the, you said the draft. You should have specified more. Yeah. Um, I, got a, I got a song here. Roman, can you name anything about sorry the roman empire like that's i feel like that's such a vague it's like pj's pick it's pj's pick brian we're, not, we're just gonna let him walk away with brian hates explaining his roman empire. i know he does that's why that's why he was stonehenge and thought he can drop the mic and walk away i won fair enough um this is my pick when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie that's the great tune yeah, my pick is just the song That's Amore by, uh, by Dean Morton. And uh, that's the most Italian song I could think of. 
he just didn't like that he lost this draft. So the last draft, so he intentionally won this one. Hey man, I I, I had to give <laughs> so, you guys I had to give you guys some sort of uh, some positive vibes. Uh, you know, can't can't win them all. I can't have myself in them all. That's just that's not good content. I'm a man of content, but you know, I let you guys have yours. Um, but you know, the king's back. I'm just glad we all did original. Like we somewhat like made them like original picks. Like I still the Jersey Shore pick. Jersey Shore uh, pick is the best pick of this draft. I'll say yeah. it. I think that's what we should do. Like after like 10 drafts, we should do a draft of our drafts best draft. or best a, a dra- draft of our, our best draft picks. Yeah, we can do that at some point. I think we got to have a lot more drafts under our belt, but I, I think fun. so too, but I like that idea. I'll write it down. Uh, you know, that's all right. I'm the producer. I'll write it down. All right, fine. Write it all down. Right. Right. <laughs> Don't write it down. <laughs> all right. Put that fucking pen down. Three. Uh, well, that that was for that was for all of you loyal Italian listeners. I hope that we didn't destroy your entire culture. But I hope I think- that we we only go down in the right. Like we we get to one. I hope we don't go to like four or five. Like if we go if, down, we know they didn't like it. Yes, if if we go down, we will never talk about Italy again because clearly uh, we were doing something uh, more correctly by not mentioning it at all. If but- we don't, if we do get the number one though in Italy, Brian will live stream himself baking real bread. Yes, the whole yeah, process. Fine. I'll do that. Pat, uh, do that. can you can you reach back out to Giacomo and tell him to spread the word throughout Italy? Yes. Giacomo, um, absolutely, man. I him and I are like best we, buds. Can you post his uh like Airbnb and we could leave a good review saying Giacomo's the best? Yeah. I could, but I'm scared that might <laughs> that could go one or two ways. <laughs> this poor Italian guy's gonna be like, why are people <laughs> sending me very mean things? And they never stayed in my house. Love Scooter That's- and the big man. We're not, we're not saying mean things. We're, we're, we're trying to help him. I think that's what we should do whenever we get rich and famous from this podcast is we'll get that Airbnb with Giacomo. Yeah. He'll be our her, our first guest in person. Our first in guest is, is Giacomo. <laughs> Giacomo. Giacomo. I love Giacomo. that. I'm, I'm in for that. Um, you guys got anything else? Uh, no. Keep trusting Steve Cohen because we're going, we're going to the moon, Mets fans. Uh, thank you guys for listening. This has been uh, episode 25. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Scoop Big Man Pod, where we have been uh, dropping some some good memes lately and some uh, some good content. If I do say so myself, follow us on uh, TikTok and Instagram at Scooter Big Man Pod. If there's anything that you would like for us to to do, if there's any suggestions you guys have on any content or a segment for the podcast, or whatever, uh, hit us up. Uh, we'll love to hear any suggestions. Um, yeah, have a good one. Arrivederci, arrivederci. Mwah, mwah. Goodbye, goodbye. A domani. Ce deviamo. Il coccodrillo. Il coccodrillo. Il coccodrillo come fa. Non c'è nessuno che lo sa. Si dice mangi troppo. Non metta mai il cappotto. Ma come...